Hello and welcome to episode 185 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. Yes, I'm in LA between trips. Uh, happy to be back from Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back late Monday night. How was your trip uh, home? How was the red eye? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I hate red eyes. I, I think I did a red eye like 10 years ago and I said to myself, I'm never going to do that again. And then when I was looking at this Vegas class, there was no way to get home in time, at least on the flights that I was looking at. So I was like, okay, well, we're doing this. Yeah. I think literally every person who has ever taken a red eye has said, I'm never taking a red eye again. But then it's just like, sometimes it's your only option. So yeah, you're like trying to sleep sitting up, tilted to the side. It's just like, not good. (laughs) No. Well, it was great to see you and it was great to see, uh, the whole team shout out to, uh, Sarah and Annalisa and, um, also shout out to listener Clarissa, who gave us the amazing backstage tour of love. Uh, that was pretty, pretty amazing. That was awesome. Okay. So today, um, we're going to do another LSAT fundamental, the day of the test. I guess this will come out just in time for that since the March exam is coming up. We're also going to talk about another school willing to pay for your LSAC fee. How do you stay positive when you get questions wrong? We have an email from Fagman, Nathan's favorite dean and <laughs> law school leader. Oh boy. I guess his email is called notwithstanding rankings. It's <laughs> it's my favorite comedy writer, Ben. It's just unbelievable, uh, unintentional comedy. So can't wait to get to that. That sounds like an, a GPA addendum or something, notwithstanding GPA. <laughs> it's awesome. Just double speak. It's great. Okay. And then we have a personal statement if we have time. Great. So yeah, the test is coming up this Saturday. That's March 30th. You're giving a talk at UNLV on April 8th. So you're going back to Vegas. <laughs> I know. I can't believe how soon that is that I'm going back to Vegas. <laughs> it's like, I hope I will survive. Yeah. Anyway, come out and see me. Bring me water and aspirin. I'll see you there. Yeah. Hey, so wait, do you like sushi? Love. Okay. So I would suggest going to, I think it was Sakana. Yeah. Sakana sushi bar. It's all you can eat. And Uh yeah, it's really good. So I would recommend that if you're into sushi. It's 25 bucks. 25 bucks. All you can eat sushi. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and dessert and a bunch. Basically, the whole menu is all you can eat. They have prices on the menu, which is a little strange because it's all you can eat. But there's a reason. If you order more than you can eat, you have to pay for what you don't eat. (laughs) I see. But you can just keep ordering. You just order one thing, eat it, and then order another thing. So you just keep going until you're done. Anyways, highly recommended. Yeah. Okay. Where is that? Uh, It's close to UNLV. It's like, uh, I can't remember the street, but just, yeah. Search for it when you're there and it's three minutes away by Uber or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. On April 14th, I, both of us will be giving a talk at UVA at 4 PM. That's a Sunday. Uh, Apparently their group has 30, 40 people there. If you're in the UVA area, please come Uh, on April 19th. You're going to get your March scores. If you're taking that test on Saturday and on April 23rd, you're giving a talk at Seattle. Jeez. At 1230 PM. Okay. There's a lot of uh, Seattle University. There's a lot of talks going on. Yeah. By the way, if you follow at Thinking LSAT on Instagram, you'll get announcements about all of these events. So check us out on Instagram. It's a good place to uh, hear about all these things. 
Yeah. Cool. We should have these on the website too, huh? Well, we got them on. Yeah, we have them on the website and all of our. Oh, they are. Uh, oh, okay. I'm sure cool. it's on the Facebook group and everything else, but I just wanted to. I don't know why specifically Instagram seems like that's what people want to use these days. And I like it a lot better than I like Facebook. Oh so, yeah. So do anyway. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always email the show at help at thinking Send us your selfies if you're so inclined and we will answer your questions. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, and our very own lovely actually outdated website thinking lsat.com <laughs> maybe we should get a call for volunteers to build us a better website yes our it's hosted gross. on wordpress and there are so many things you can do on wordpress and we have not done that we're also just overwhelmed with things to do for our students and everything that we have not focused on that but if you are an expert in that area please help us out we would that doesn't that. have to be a volunteer gig either by the way if you're like a professional a wordpress professional and you want to pump up our website and you want to make a pitch to us you can just email help at thinkinglsat.com and we will definitely consider paying you to make that better yeah yeah that's for sure I noticed that some people have left reviews on iTunes since we last talked. A lot of people have left reviews, but they didn't write anything. And some people have started writing them again recently, which is much appreciated. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Okay. The demon should be updated today. We've had several updates in the preview.lsatdemon.com site, and they seem to have survived the vetting no one pointed out serious flaws in our updates to preview.lsatdemon.com so now those updates are actually going to the live site as we speak so by the time you hear this episode they should be there yeah we continue to just keep working on the timed sections making those more smooth and and getting to time tests eventually in preparation for the july lsat great yeah i mean we were thinking about it. We were brainstorming in Vegas that like our next joint live class, if we do one this summer, we might just be demon equipped on that class, huh? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's going digital. No pencil and paper and we'll just run the whole class on the demon. So yeah, great. Glad we're continuing to develop that. Did you look at the font color thing on desktop? Did you hear, did you see, get that thing sorted out or not? It was sorted out on both. So I think that that issue was resolved unless this person was writing it after we made the update. Did I'm not sure about that. Oh, okay. I mean, I got the, I just got that email this week that someone was saying that the fonts were like really light and hard to read on desktop only. So I forwarded that on to you guys, but I'm hmm, sure that it's, should it's be fixed, but oh, okay. yeah, yeah, we'll take a look. I'll just double okay. check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Great. So Let's should we jump into this LSAT fundamental? Yeah, if you're listening to this on launch day, you've got five days left before the test. And so I think this fundamental should be, you know, sort of five days, three days, one day, day of. What are you thinking if this is Monday and you have the test this Saturday? What do you want your students to be thinking about? Okay, so let's figure this out here. We have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it looks like you could fit in five tests, right? Or 10 if you did two a day. <laughs> yeah, 10 tests, <laughs> two a day. Perfect. <laughs> and watch as your score steadily declines. And then oh, when you man. go take it on Saturday, maybe it will be better because you've lowered it so much over the course of the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, time, it's now time to like 
slow things down, right? Like <laughs> I don't have a problem with people doing practice problems, even doing time sections, even doing a time test. If they, sometimes people will take like Wednesday off or Tuesday off and they want to take a full test. If you, if you feel that deep sense of need to take a full test, I'm okay with that, but do not take a test on Friday or even Thursday. You really should be done at that point and not doing anything, just hanging out. And even like when you think about your week, the whole week should just be scaled down so that you can focus on being rested and excited to take this test. Yeah, I think you have to declare victory over the test, right? You you have to sort of like send yourself the message that you're ready to take the test. Yeah. And the best way to send yourself the message that you're ready to take the test is to just stop fucking frantically practicing. Yeah. You know, you take that whole day off on Friday and uh, go see Captain Marvel or go, I don't know, just go do something fun. Yeah. And and you just you, you're sending your, you know, not only are you resting your brain mm-hmm. and and hopefully alleviating some anxiety, but you're just you're sending yourself the message that, hey, all this hard work that I've done <laughs> is done now. And I'm going to go in tomorrow and it's going to be just another practice test. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the test. Yeah. You have to get to that point, don't you? Of feeling like you're actually ready to take the test. I think some people just never get there. Some people just never think they're ready. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe you're not, but if you're not, you're not, it's not like you're going to get ready in the last two days before the test or three or four days before the test. Yeah. I don't, this is not the time to be searching for epiphanies that are going to totally change, you know, your understanding of the test. I guess you can continue to just sort of marginally get better one question at a time, but I I don't, the learning doesn't happen overnight. And so you got to, I don't know, you got to put the test in its place a little bit, right? I agree. I, and I think that if you've been studying correctly up to this point, in some ways you don't have to change a whole lot. You can scale down, but hopefully you haven't been scaled up, right? Like hopefully you've just been doing practice problems and then trying to learn from each one. I feel like the test is something that you have to chip away at thoughtfully, carefully, try to learn something from each question that you get wrong each question that you're not sure of, just learn something from it and then say, okay, cool. I'm glad I understand that better now. And then do another question. And if you, if that's what you've been doing, then you can just keep doing that. There's no stress. It's just about constantly learning little things here and there that help you better understand how to reason through sentences, how to process information. And then you go take the test. And you're at where you're at. And if it doesn't go well, it's a learning experience in and of itself. I had someone last night who said, hey, look, I took the test already officially. And I'm pretty nervous about taking the test in the next week or so. And I was like, you know, if you go and you don't do as well as you had hoped. Oh, I think. Oh, I know what it was. She was nervous. She actually was scoring higher than she wants to score. I was like, oh, well, that's good. And, but she was worried that she was going to regress on test day because it was test day. And I said, look, 
I don't think you are. I think you're just going to score where you've been scoring. But even if you do, just learn from that experience. Nothing is going to happen other than you'll say to yourself, okay, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? And I'll take it again. I can't take it again. I'm getting married and blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait, really? What's happening? And we figured out that she could take it again. Like, it's not that big of a deal to just show up, even if you have other things going on in your life, and take the test again. It's just life is a continual process of learning. You're never going to be perfect. So you just got to keep trying. I was talking to a friend the other night about just kind of life stuff, philosophical conversation on my long ass drive back from Vegas, actually. Mm. And this idea, we were kicking around this idea that, you know, it's not possible for any other human to ever know what it's like for you to be the age you are right now doing the things you're doing right now today, right? Including you. You don't, I don't know what it's like to be age 43 and however many days it is old that I am. I've never been here before. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and so I, I don't know, it, it's, then it's not really possible for me to do it wrong. It's only possible for me to just do it. Like yeah. I just, you don't have any choice. You just do this day and then mm-hmm. you do the day after that. And then you do the day after that. And nobody can tell me that I'm not doing it right. I, including myself, I shouldn't be judging myself about what happens today because I don't know, I'm just doing the best I can with what I've got. And that's all any of us are ever doing. Mm -hmm. So what's the point of like worrying about what's going to happen on this test? It's just another day in you many, 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 many days of your life. And the worst case scenario is, you don't score as high as you would like, and you end up taking it again. Mm-hmm. But so what? <laughs> that's that's what happened. That's just that's just reality. That's just what happened. Yeah. It's not. It, you don't have to like be judging yourself about that or feeling bad about yourself about that. That's just your path. That's just the journey. Mm-hmm. So there's no point comparing yourself to anybody else. Oh, but so-and-so only took it once and got a great score. Like, yeah, who who cares? <laughs> that's not you. That doesn't have anything to do with you. Yep. Yeah, that's great. I, I agree hundred percent. I found I was getting like a lot of comfort out of that idea where it was just like, dude, stop. You know? Yeah, of course you could be doing things. There are things you could do better, but, and maybe tomorrow you will, but you just, you know, you, you've, you've encountered what you've encountered and you've dealt with it the way you've dealt with it. And now you are in a unique situation that absolutely nobody has ever been in before and never will be again. It's impossible to replicate your, you know, exact experience. Yeah. We we have shared experiences, but we just don't ever have the same life as any other human. And, and you yourself on every single day of your life are having a brand new experience that it is impossible for you to ever have had, you know, when you're 85 years old, You've never been an 85 year old before. And so it's just like, you know, everybody's just making it up as they go along. It's a myth that people ever have their shit sorted out. I don't think it's possible to have your shit sorted out. Well, I have my shit sorted out. (laughs) (laughs) Except for you, Ben, you're like superhuman. (laughs) Uh, You you know what I mean though? Like it, it, no matter how composed you look today, Mm -hmm. you, and, and on the, on the outside, people can look at you and, you know, think, oh boy, this person just has it all. Like, the, yeah. wow, how accomplished. And think about like, 
<laughs> Tiger Woods, age 29, Tiger Woods yeah. is like absolutely king of the world, right? Just, uh, you know, Stanford University, uh, elite, best of all time in his field, billionaire. Yeah. Model citizen, face of Nike, just killing it. Like you can't, you cannot possibly kill it harder than Tiger Woods yeah. when he was age 29. Yeah. And then 10 years later, his like whole life is a shambles and his golf game is a shambles. And he's just like, it's, it's almost hard to fall farther than he yeah. fell. Yeah. And, and now he's like kind of coming back in like a different way, re- reinventing himself. And I don't know. It just, you, nobody, nobody has it sorted. They're, <laughs> they're lying to you and or themselves. You know, if you look at somebody and think they've got it figured out, they just don't. Yeah. It's not possible to, because you don't know what's around the bend. It's not possible to know what's around the bend. No, you just have to decide on a challenge that you want to work on and then work toward it. And whatever happens, happens. And if test day doesn't go as well as you had hoped, then you regroup, figure out what went wrong and try again. And And tomorrow you might pick a different challenge. Yeah. It's like, that's, there's no shame in that either. I don't care how much of your life you've devoted toward this certain path. That's not relevant. That's in the past. That's your path up to today, but your path tomorrow can be whatever the fuck it is. It doesn't, it's not, nothing has to be set in stone. It does not matter what investments of time or money or energy or, you know, your soul or whatever you've put into any past endeavors. You can, you're, it's your life and you're totally entitled to switch tomorrow. And odds are you will switch dramatically multiple times throughout your life. And I don't know. I I hope that that's helpful. It's helpful for me to think about. It's just like, Hey, stop fucking judging yourself so much. Stop trying to control outcomes so much and just focus on today. and, And just right now, like what's going on? What are you doing right now today? Yeah. But to get back to the, like, what if today is, you know, Monday, whatever it is, Monday, March 25th, and I'm taking the test on Saturday, March 30th, you know, the thing to do today is to figure out how you're going to sleep well this week. Yep. And if you want to study a little bit of LSAT, one or two, you know, a, a question here or there or a section here or there or even a full test, if you have the time and energy for it, that's fine. But I don't know, you got to be, I do think you need to be kind of tapering the study down so that you can be rested uh, for test day. Yeah. How about the day before the test? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I probably more than the day before the test, just little practical tips, like print your admission ticket out. Mm hmm we can't be having printer emergencies on the evening before the test or the morning of the test. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, I feel like printers, I am looking at my printer. It's like, I haven't printed anything off my printer in a long ass time now. You know, it's like, I don't, I think it works, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe print that out and stick it on the refrigerator just to make sure you have it. Yeah. And I love going to the movies. The, I love going to the movies the night before the test. Or the, you know, evening, day yeah. before the test, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think the movies are great. And I mean, better than watching a movie at home, because when you go to the movies at, in the theater, it's this immersive experience where, you know, they're in control of everything, including the lights, and you just have no responsibilities. 
Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great place to just kind of shut off, you know, and just be entertained and, and hopefully get really get sucked into something, I don't know, inspiring or funny or just whatever entertaining. Yeah. Man, I wonder if that new Jordan Peele movie is going to be out. Holy shit. Jordan who? Jordan Peele. I don't know who that is. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele, Ben, is uh, a beautiful, beautiful artist. He is, is he the one that did the, the, the one movie that was pretty famous a little bit ago. Get Out. Get Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yes. So his next uh, feature film is coming out this month and it's called Us and it's a horror movie. Get Out was also a horror movie, but I'm sure that it's going to be in, in his same distinctive. He's a, he's a, he's a, I mean, his, he was a sketch comedy guy. Like it was Key and Peele on Comedy Central, I think. And it was a sketch comedy show, but it had all these weird, like quirky horror aspects to it. Kind of just had this like feel of he's a big, like horror fan or like, I don't know, suspense fan. Yeah. And so get out. I mean, did you see get out? I did. Okay. And did you like it? Well, I'll have to watch it again. Cause I didn't like it at the time. I remember the ending. I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But I'm not a big fan of like horror stuff either. I watched it because everyone was so excited about it. That might have been problematic too because, you know, I have such expectations. You go in with the super high expectations. Yeah. yeah. I, I also think that, that he's, it's a little challenging if you're not used to, if you had been used to Key and Peel, mm -hmm. then I think you would have understood the flavor a little bit of it. You would have seen it a little more as a comedy mm -hmm. and I mean, it is a horror movie, but it's, it's also a comedy anyway. Yeah, Us. That's my best. Uh, for a movie I haven't seen, my recommendation is go see Us if you think you can handle a horror movie. But if you if you like Jordan Peele, then you're already excited about this movie. Hmm. You know, that's going to be just immersive <laughs> and you're not going to be thinking about the LSAT, I don't think, while you're watching that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What else uh, day before the test? Yeah. So at this point you got your ticket printed out, right. And then you have your, they're still requiring you to bring your Ziploc bag. That will change. Now You I don't imagine. have to bring a Ziploc bag. That's true. You don't have to, but if you want your, what your wallet and they want all your stuff in that. So I think, you, <laughs> I mean, I'm leaving my wallet and my keys in my fucking pockets, yeah. you know, but uh, if you have a bigger wallet that does not fit in your pocket, anything that can't fit in your pockets, yeah, you do have to put it inside of your stupid Ziploc bag. So when I took the the practice digital LSAT, you know, they, I had my wallet in my pocket and they were like, you need to take that out. And I was like, for real? Wow. They, they, yeah, so it was kind of a strange experience. So I ended up putting that all in my bag, but the keys and everything. I, I felt like I was going through TSA. Yeah, it's it. Well, I wrote a blog post a long time ago about how it's easier to get on an airplane than it is to get into the LSAT, which it, if you read all of the restrictions, go to LSAC.org, you know, read your admission ticket and make sure make sure you read through all that stuff. Y'all like you don't want to be surprised by stuff on the day of the mm -hmm. test. Mm -hmm. Things like you can't wear earplugs, can't chew gum, can't wear a hat or a hood. Mm -hmm. You know, like those leave your you, firearms you, at home, stuff like that. Leave, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, comments, things that are really important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you need to, you need to make sure that you know what all those restrictions are because some proctors are going to be like super uh, fascist about enforcing all that stuff. You also need to, to be ready for the fact that many proctors are going to not enforce it at all. Yes, absolutely. Including cell phones, which is like a world apart, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there'll be people, I mean, in some testing centers in my, when I took my test, there was just a dude sitting right next to me with the white iPod, uh, iPhone headphones. He was just like listening to his headphones. <laughs> not, not, I don't think he was doing it during the test, but like while we were sitting there for an hour yeah, waiting for the test to start, he was sitting there listening to his, his iPod or whatever. Wow. That's and funny. proctors were just didn't even care or notice or whatever. A uh, proctors, you know, you people need to like understand that these proctors are, you know, you got to be polite to them and they do have some authority over you, but some of them are going to be space cadets and not have any clue what's going on. You know, like the, the proctors that are chit chatting in the front of the room or chatting on their phone or the guy who was shelling and eating pistachios at the front of the room. Yeah. Those are all proctors doing things. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the proctor with the really loud shoes who never stops walking up and down the the stairs or the proctor who comes and hovers right behind you, like stands too close to you where you can like feel them behind you hovering over you. Any of those types of things, you need to really feel free to, to look at them and say, excuse me, you know. Uh, you're kind of distracting me is, do you, do you have to stand right there <laughs> or yeah. excuse me? I, I can hear your conversation. Yeah. Or excuse me, sir. Do you, could you maybe take your pistachios outside? Yeah. No, it's, it's challenging for a lot of people because it's confrontational, right? But one thing that you can do to motivate yourself to overcome the hesitation that you might have in raising a stink is that the alternative is to endure that for the entire test. So focus on the negative outcome of not doing anything to motivate you to overcome your hesitation to do one thing that will take 30 seconds and everybody will be appreciative of. Well, yeah. And that's a big positive that you can focus on too. It's like, yes, you are kind of getting outside of your social comfort zone by, you know, confronting someone about their behavior, but every other person in the room is you're going to be a hero to them because Mm -hmm. telling the old man to shut it up with the pistachios, you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And so to, to say, if you're the one who says something like, yeah, yeah, everybody's going to appreciate that. So yeah. Don't, don't be shy about that. I, I, I have a, a bunch of little tips uh, for test day basics. You see my list here, Ben? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can comment on these and, and add any of, uh, of them that you want, but wearing layers, uh, we've heard stories of testing centers being really cold. And I've also seen testing centers that were really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a comedy of one day at university of San Francisco when I was happened to be there on test day. And, um, it had, it was an unusually warm day in San Francisco and San Francisco like doesn't have air conditioning in a lot of places because yeah. it's just never really warm. Yeah. And one half of the building had classrooms that were on the sunny side of the building. And one, one half of the, one half of the test takers were in shape, uh, like North facing sides. <laughs> 
classrooms because yep. mm-hmm. they were all like divided up into small classrooms. And one half of the students came out of the thing afterward, just like completely wilted. Like their hair was just like <laughs> down in their face and stuff. You could, they just look like they'd been sitting inside of a sauna. And apparently <laughs> what happened was they, they, uh, yeah, they'd just been sitting baking in these rooms until in like section four or something, somebody spoke up and told the proctors, Hey, you know, would you, can we like crack a window? And they finally did crack a window. And it was like, everybody was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) But they had been sitting there for, you know, two hours, just like baking. Yeah. Oh, bummer. So, yeah. So layers, you know, just, just, you can go ahead and bundle up with as many layers as you want and uh, be able to strip off as many of those as you need <laughs> to adjust your comfort. Yeah, it seems like bundle up and speak up, right? Yeah, bundle up and speak up. I like that. Bring something disposable to read it is it could be a useful tip depending on how they're doing the testing center. Some of the Some of the testing centers will be just one giant room with everybody in it. And other testing centers will be small classrooms that they will fill as people arrive. Mm-hmm. And it, the, sometimes when they do the small room thing, I think it works a lot better because the the small room thing, let's say there's 15 people taking the test in just a normal sized classroom. Yeah. If they do it that way, what they'll do is as people start showing up, they'll put them all into one classroom. And then as soon as they get to capacity for that room, they'll actually start the test in that room. Mm-hmm. And if they do it that way, it's awesome because then you get there, you check in and relatively quickly you're taking the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if they do it the other way where it's one giant room, that's sort of like boarding an airplane now. And Everybody has to be in there before you can go. And that means that the people who get seated in the room first are going to be sitting in there for a long ass time while they seat everybody else in the room. And this happened to me. I've told the story on the show before, so I'll, I won't be too lengthy with it. But I showed up early and I, they seated me immediately. And then I had to sit there as they seated like a hundred other people behind me. And you're not allowed to bring anything with you into the room. So I didn't have my phone, didn't have iPod, didn't have, you know, apps, games, whatever. Didn't have a book had nothing. I was just sitting there for like literally 45 minutes while they registered everybody else. Meanwhile, the dude next to me is just like rocking out to his, (laughs) his, his tunes that he had brought. I could see him there with his earbuds in and I'm like, oh, nice, smart. (laughs) Good job, dude but I was really wishing that I had not gone into the room. So, so quickly. Yeah. I could have brought a cup of coffee and a, a magazine newspaper, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I could have just sat outside the testing room and watched them and been like, Hey, I'm r- I'm right over here. I'm just finishing up my coffee. Yeah. Chilling. And then just watch everybody else go into the room mm-hmm. and have to sit there, you know, in silence. Yeah or nervous sit there in the soaking up the nervous energy in the room, you know? So I like the idea of just bringing a magazine newspaper, whatever. And then you just can toss it right before you walk into the testing room. Yeah, no, I like that idea. I also like the idea of hanging out outside the test room. If you don't need to check in right away and eating a snack, going to the bathroom. I mean, the fact, the mere fact that you're just, 
kind of hanging out, walking around means you're not sitting too, because you're going to be sitting for a long time through those ex- explanations of what's going to happen. And um, there's no re- reason, you know, to, yeah, jumpstart that process. Also, yeah, and you, you mm-hmm. don't need to be out there in the hallway cramming with your LSAT book, by the way. <laughs> like, don't definitely don't do that. Yeah, I would I would say, though, that some people. They find that they have trouble getting into the test. And when those people are talking to me, I say, look, there's nothing wrong with bringing like a, a page of logical reasoning questions and doing them. Don't bring the correct answers. Just do them and throw them away to kind of get yourself into the mindset. This is for people who actually do better as the test goes along. Well, you know, whether they actually do or not is a question, of course. But if they've done a lot of tests and that they find that they get into the test. Or even if they f- believe that they do. Even if they believe they do, you know, yeah. it might set them at ease. And again, don't bring the correct answers. You don't need to learn anything from these questions. You just kind of get into the mindset of, you know, reading critically and um, whatever it takes to get you warmed up. Yeah. One thing that I heard one time was someone was going to redo a, a logic game that they had done before. Mm. And like one that they know that they can make all the connections they need to make and make the inferences. And you know how it feels good, right? Cause it like clicks. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they had, they brought a game like that, but they, they had done the game already on that page. They erased what they had done, but then they could still actually even see like the ghost of what they had done before. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah. So then I, I have a, like a safety net and it's just, I can see it right there. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you need to do that. I just kind of liked the idea of that where it was like, yeah, I'm redoing something that I know I can do. It's just like sort of going through the motions here of getting to the rhythm of it. If that's you now, there are many, many students, myself included, who I, I would never do any LSAT shit before the test. Like I don't, but I don't have any problem getting into it. You know, when they say go on section one, I'm, I'm ready. I'm there. I'm ready to go. So, yeah. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is you're not allowed to actually bring LSAT material to the test, but we're breaking other rules outside of the test room. That's what we're talking about here. Because there's, we're not really even breaking the rules because you're not in the test room yet. Uh, the test centers tend to be pretty loose. Technically, you can't bring stuff into the test center, but a lot of these places are university campuses, campuses and the test room is in some campus building and it's not like they're policing the people in the building because they don't necessarily know if you're a test taker or a student or whatnot. Yeah, but I would say once you go you, into the room, then you have to Well, before you go away. to the table and check in, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, now that, now that you mentioned that, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting there across from the check-in table working on LSAT materials. <laughs> no, you have to be That's smart about this. But yeah. you judge the situation and you say, hey, look, uh, is this, can I just stand here and start working on this? Or is this like an obvious, like, hey, what are you doing? But in most of these cases, there's a lot going on and you can be far away and still close enough to know that you are ready and able to go check in at any moment. So you're not going to get Yeah, make sure you behind. show up. Make sure you show up plenty early. Make sure you know how to get there, you know, and and relax as much as you possibly can. We just you can't be frantically last minute stuck in traffic or getting lost racing across campus at the last minute because you don't know where the room is. You know, 
all that stuff, like you've already lost it. You got to, you got to get there and be ready to go. Just once you get there and you see where the test is going to be, you don't necessarily need to immediately go into the testing room. No, that's a very good point. I think there's a lot of value in going to the place if you've never been there before. Just going, walking down one path and then realizing you need to go back and go to another path and go to the one building and they're like, no, 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 that building's over there. That just, especially if you're a little tight on time for some reason because you underestimated how long it would take you to get there, that creates a lot of unnecessary anxiety because now you're like running (laughs) oh wait or parking right like you go to park and you're like wait i can't park here and so then you have to park across campus like you just go there and now you see exactly where you have to go and how to get there and where to park and you don't have to think about any of that on test day yeah if this is monday or tuesday or wednesday you know if this is just the last few days before the test this is a concrete thing that you can do that very very likely might make you feel more comfortable and confident on test day to just go to the, go to wherever it is that you're going. You know, it's not, you don't have to, it's not necessary, but if you've never, ever been there before, it can be awful nice to just like put your feet on the ground in that place and just sort of get, get, get your bearings a little bit so that you'll feel a little more comfortable. It'll just make the day feel less alien and, you know, weird and different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like this tip of looking for the most nervous or the least prepared people in the room. You'll, you'll be, um, you'll be shocked. I think at how poorly prepared many of the people will be. Yeah. Like you'll hear people saying that they, you know, like you'll hear people asking each other, like sort of what's, what is on the test. (laughs) Or how long is it? How many sections yep, are there? <laughs> yep. How long it is? How many sections? Is there an essay? How does this whole, how does it work? <laughs> so there will be people there who have done zero preparation at all. They just signed up for the LSAT just to see how they would do. I want to know if I can go to law school. Okay. That's one way to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb way to figure it out, but <laughs> yeah, you can do it that way. You'll also see people who are type a, 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 plus, 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 <laughs> and who are just an anxiety bomb, like with the fuse all the way, almost burned down <laughs> to explosion time. You know, when you see the person, I love the, see who you can find who has the most pencils. Whoever has the most pencils is a real good candidate for most nervous. Mm-hmm. The person that has the whole box of pencils. I was thinking about this this morning. When you see the person with the whole box of pencils, I think you should ask if you could have one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good test of their actual anxiety, right? Because if they're like, sure, no problem, you're like, oh, that's nice. If they're like hesitant, then you're like, whoa, buddy. (laughs) But then my next thing was I was going to ask for another one after that. too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, could I have another one? Oh, (laughs) Oh, my friend over here needs one. (laughs) Could I have? Yeah. Why don't you just pass those around? (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I need these. (laughs) We did get that one email. Remember we got the email of somebody they saw, they spotted someone who had a box of pencils and that box actually like at one point during the test got tipped over and the pencils were spilling around the test room. Oh, I don't remember (laughs) that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's super funny. 
what what else do you want to talk about for just a day of the test? I think we're about almost there. Yeah, I would say last couple of things, which are here too. I think it's good. When you're done with the test, you'll be given the option to cancel. And there's absolutely no reason to cancel unless you completely did not bubble a section or something crazy foolish like that. You're just, you have six days. So in most cases, you shouldn't cancel, period, ever. But if for whatever reason you are someone who maybe should, you have six days to think about it. So take that time and really figure out what's going on. Don't do it in the heat of battle. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. Uh, if, you know, if you get, if you like are going to barf and you have to leave the test, okay, that's a cancel. Yeah. But if, if, if you sit there for all 35 minutes of each section and you, you actually do it, you should not cancel. You can cancel online. What is it? Five business days after the test? Something like that. It's six days, six calendar days, I think. Yeah. But we've talked about it a million times. There's just really no reason to cancel. If, if you took the test, you might as well just see what you got. And a lot of times people ended up scoring better than they thought. Yeah. I mean, we, we hear this all the time. People say, I, I always finished the games when I was practicing for the test, but on test day, I didn't get to the last game. Should I cancel? It's like, okay, well, did you <laughs> bubble in answers? Yes, I did. I mean, you probably got 20% of those right. And if you got one or two more points correct in all the other sections, then you've now compensated for that game and your score is going to be no different than what you've been scoring. Like, Even if you didn't, I mean, this is, the, this is my recent story from a friend who had the 172 and the 173 on record, but decided to take it again because she had had practice tests that were higher than that. Yeah. And she, the proctor didn't give them the five minute warning on the games. She always finishes the games perfectly, but this one she didn't. And the proctor didn't give a five minute warning. So she didn't get to bubble in guesses for the last few. Yeah. And she was like, should I cancel? I mean, I almost, I always finish the games. Like I, I, I didn't even get to bubble in guesses. Should I cancel? Should I cancel? Yeah. And I finally talked her out of it and she scored a 178. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you just got all the rest of them, right? It's fine. Yeah. You, you know, it, you, it's just, boy, it's just such a tragedy if you cancel when the score had it, there was just, if there was a fraction of a chance that the score was going to be good then you should definitely not cancel. So don't cancel on the day. You can't go in there planning to cancel. If you're planning to cancel, just don't even take it. Yeah. If you go in there and take it, you should plan on keeping your score. And even if you do start having inklings of, you know, I want to cancel, reach out to us instead. And, you know, hopefully we can talk you down from the ledge because there's no, no need to do that. Yeah. Quick note about coffee. I can't believe how many times I hear people say they had to go to the bathroom in section one. Yeah. Because, and it's like, because they had gone for the jumbo (laughs) super tanker of coffee on the way. Yeah. That's come on people. (laughs) I, yeah, I I have to sympathize with all of them since I had to go to the bathroom for the first three sections of my test. I, I, I messed everything up. I showed up late. They put me in a left-handed desk. 
And then I felt like the complete idiot, you know, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, man, I have to go to the bathroom. But I'm like, I can't interrupt these instructions now. I'm the one who just came in and sat down late. So I made a beeline for that bathroom during the break. But, hey, you know, things work out. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, even if it happens, it happens. But like coffee, you know, you don't need to start drinking coffee on the day of the test. You also don't need to stop drinking coffee on the day of the test. You also don't need to try to go for the extra jumbo coffee because you think it's going to give you this extra boost. Uh, just do your normal, do your normal routine. And in your normal routine, you probably don't have to get up and go to the bathroom every five minutes. So (laughs) just, you know, relax, go to the bathroom right before you go into the testing room. If you have to get up during one of the sections to go pee, it's not the end of the world. You're going to sacrifice two minutes, you know, and that's only two minutes of 35 minutes. Like that's one question. Yeah. So don't, don't really worry about it. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I don't think. I think that's good. Okay. We will leave that there and move on. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. Um, it's just another practice test. Just treat it like just another practice test and you'll be fine. Great. So we have an, an exciting email from Emery Law. I don't think we need to read this whole email. Okay. What is this? What's the bottom line here? The point of this, the point, the reason why this is on the agenda is that it's Emery and they are sending Matthew an email. Congratulations on completing the LSAT. Okay. Mm -hmm. Encouraging him to apply based on your academic performance. We are pleased to waive your application fee. Simply enter this fee waiver code during checkout and hmm. Okay, so now I'm actually not sure. I don't know if that's just a code for their Emory's application fee or if that's the report fee waiver code. Mm, I'm not sure, actually. So wait, there are two fees. The law school charges you a fee and LSAC charges you a fee. That's what you're talking yes. about? Yeah. Yes. And so this is definitely waiving their fee, but does it waive LSAC's fee? Well, let me look at the Emory 509. I'm not sure whether Emory has an application fee. Oh, they do. Yeah, they have an $85 application fee. So this is worth at least 85 bucks. I, I think we put it on the agenda because we thought that it was a the report fee waiver yeah. code. Yeah. But anyway, it's this is a good PSA anyway, that there are schools out there these days that are willing to not only waive their application fee, but also waive the report the $45 exorbitant fee that the LSAC charges. Yeah. And so if you ask your schools, you know, make sure you're asking them not only for an application fee waiver, but also for the waiver of the LSAC report fee, which they, they, they apparently have the ability to give you a code for that as well. Doesn't hurt to ask, ask, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. And you can just save yourself just a zillion dollars. Okay, so we have an email here about mindset. You want to read this one, Ben? Yeah. Hi, guys. First of all, I love the podcast. It's super funny and informative. I did the LSAT demon trial and loved it. It's amazing that the demon allows you to do problems on the elevator, on the train, on the checkout line, literally anywhere. Wait, hold on. Not literally. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Lawyers use words to mean what they're supposed to mean. And even though millennials ha- have are now trying to use literally uh, in, according to its secondary dictionary definition, which means figuratively lawyer types uh, until we die. <laughs> We are old, Ben, but I think we're going to be kicking for a few more decades and we are not going to permit people to use the word literally to mean figuratively. So there's this video I've uh, seen a couple of times with my kids that I think of you every time I, I uh, see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but no, you got to see this video. It's just Google Captain Literally. Oh boy. Okay. He comes in and he restores balance whenever someone uses literally incorrectly. <laughs> okay. Imposing awesome. the literal consequence of what they said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, there's a David there's a David Cross bit about that, a stand-up comedian that from like 15 years ago where he's making fun of sportscasters or and other people who use literally the wrong way like sportscasters are like he literally ripped his head off on that play <laughs> like, whoa no he didn't or uh, the other joke that cross has is like oh dude yeah i was i was so i got so stoned dude I, yeah dude i literally shit my pants it's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> you That's literally shit your pants. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I did want to chime in here on about the demon. I got a text from a, a former student um, just yesterday who was, who said she said, she said that she was like back on the grind uh, studying for the June test. And she had just recently re signed up for the LSAT demon. And she said, I love the demon so much. I'm at the doctor. The doctor made me wait, of course, for 20 minutes. And I don't care at all because I'm sitting here doing the demon in the waiting room while I'm waiting for the doctor. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, it's I awesome. I actually got that just this morning. I was doing tutoring this morning. The, my student said the exact same thing. She's like, I went to the doctor and I'm just like, eh, I'll do LR questions. And then actually two nights ago, I got another call from students for more written ex- explanations. They're like... I'm on the Metro. It's hard to watch the videos sometimes on the Metro, but written explanations are a godsend. So please keep cranking them out. And I was like, we're trying. (laughs) Yeah. I hit the ask button. If you hit the ask button, you are giving me a writing prompt. And so far I've been able to keep up. I got yesterday after the weekend in Vegas, I was like a little bit behind, you know, I got, I was like a few days behind, but by by noon yesterday, I was staring at an inbox that was all white and said, you have no mail. Good. And when I'm staring at an inbox that's all white and says, you have no mail, that means I have answered every request for a logical written logical reasoning explanation that has come in. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to always be able to get back to you within a day or two, but Hey, if I end up with a backlog, great. I mean, I'll just keep cranking through them. I'll, I will make it my priority to write solid explanations for every question that people want a written explanation for. So hit, all you have to do is hit the ask button. If you want to tell me what you don't understand, I will try to incorporate that into my explanation. But if you also just want to say, Hey, could you do a written explanation for this one? Um, that's totally fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about LSATdemon.com. So you can do the LSAT practice problems, official problems on your phone, anywhere. 
and you can do a free trial. Uh, so I just said anywhere. <laughs> you can't do it literally. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it figuratively anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it literally <laughs> most places. I figuratively shat in my pants. <laughs> I want to make it clear that I didn't really do it, but I figuratively <laughs> did. I'm going to invite everyone to start using figuratively from now on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we should. That's what we should do. Yeah, <laughs> that would literally be funny. We literally should do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this kind listener, thank you, by the way, for the praise. We we still need to get those damn like negative comments on here. Oh, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get People are going to not believe us anymore. They're like, did you write these emails? Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) this kind listener, it continues. I am taking the March LSAT for the third time. Yikes. It's okay. Lawyers are persistent. I started fresh in late November, going through all the practice tests again. I completed the power score and Manhattan LSAT books, but I credit a large part of my LR improvement to your intuitive explanations and my logic game improvements Logic Games Improvement to Seven Sages Repetition Method. How is that their repetition method? Yeah. Well, that's where he learned it, right? Or she? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Judy. Glad. Sorry. She. I was content, although not satisfied with my progress until today. Hmm. I got 11 questions wrong on the reading comp. I can't remember a time when this ever happened. For reference, on the December 2017 LSAT, I got three wrong and my overall score was 164. I'm freaking out and would love any advice about how to stay positive. I study at least 30 hours a week. Wow, this is a full-time job for you. Almost a full-time job. Three sections a day. Okay, you're, you're, I think you're doing too much. Do yep. you have a job? Do you, do you have a job? Like, how do you have time to do all this? And review... Of trouble questions. Okay, so she reviews questions that are challenging. And I am on track to finish all the prep tests out there by test day. Okay, that is an unnecessary goal. Yeah. Your goal is not to finish all the prep tests by a certain date. It's to do a timed section, figure it all out, and then when you've figured it out, do the next timed section. If you're looking at this from the lens of timed tests, fine. Do a timed test but you don't do another one until you've learned as much as you can from the first one. What that means is reviewing the questions that you got wrong and reviewing the questions that you weren't sure about. You don't need to worry about the questions that you feel good about or got and got right. At the same time, uh, depending on where you're scoring, you may not study some tests. You may choose to not study some questions on the test that are very difficult if it's, if it's a hard question, super hard question at the end of the section, maybe you're just not ready to worry about that. You are scoring in the 160s, so I suspect that most questions, if not all of them on the test, have something to teach you. At the same time, it just seems like you're doing way too much. So I suspect that your 11 questions wrong is from burnout. So step one, slow it down. Step two, don't worry. People get questions wrong all the time. Your score dropped 11 points, raw score points. My practice test score about a week before the official test when I was studying for the test dropped 11 LSAT points, which I don't know how many raw score points that was at the time, but wow, it was depressing on some level, but I bounced back. It's just like whenever anything goes wrong, the only thing you can do is just dig in and figure it out. 
Yeah, it sounds like what she's doing too is she's like comparing her high score to her low score. You know, like I got three wrong on reading comp on December 2017, but I got 11 wrong yesterday. I dropped by eight. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, or you're an average of seven wrong plus or minus four. Yeah, that's very common. I I feel like people have this unfortunate but unreasonable expectation that, you know, the very first time they ever took the LSAT, they got eight wrong in reading comp. And, you know, then two months into their prep, they get five wrong. And then all of a sudden they get six wrong and they're like, I'm regressing. It's like, yeah. Uh, or even, you know, they go below their initial diagnostic. They get nine or 10 wrong. They go, when I started, I was getting eight wrong. And now I'm get. I just, the other day I got 10 wrong. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And it's like, there are so many factors that are going into this. The reading comp passage could be harder. <laughs> You were tired that day. You actually understand the questions better, but not well enough to realize that you should have gone back with your initial gut response. Like you had a reason for ignoring it. And although that reason is generally correct, it wasn't correct in this one instance. So it's like, you know more now. And so you're actually making progress. It just unfortunately kind of messed you up on a couple of questions. There's just so many things. It's just people need to like let go of this linear growth. Yeah, but it's it's human nature I suppose, but there's there is a lot of randomness and all you have to do is like get lucky on a couple 50/50s one day and then get unlucky on a couple 50/50s the next day and now you have a 4 or 5 point swing in your scores. It doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah. It's super unsatisfying when I say this to people. People just don't I don't know if it's because they didn't study like economics or, you know, or something semi scientific or math related that they just, they just don't understand that there is randomness. They think everything has meaning and it's just, it does not, it does not have to have any meaning at all. But if it does have meaning, this seems like a clear case of burnout. You know, I wanted to point out, Ben, we just spent two full days in a classroom together in Vegas and we our text for the entire two day class was prep test 86. Yep. We did not cover every single question on prep test 86. I think the students attempted every question on prep test 86, Mm -hmm. but we did not have time to thoroughly cover every single question. Of course you can't cover every single question. And that's in two full days of, of LSAT class with, you know, two people who have been teaching LSAT for more than a decade each. And we're, we are, even with us in the room, it still takes us <laughs> more than two days to review one test. Yeah. So when you're doing three sections every single day and you're doing it by yourself, you just, there's no way you're going deep enough. There's no way you're really understanding what you're doing. Yeah. You think you are, but you're just not. And that's why you're stuck in the 160s is because you're just, you're not understanding all of the questions that you're missing. You're not understanding all of the questions that you're struggling with. You think you are, but you're not. Yeah. And you're focused so much on results. You know, we were just talking about this, I think on the last episode or the one before that, it's like, Judy, I appreciate this email, but you also 
and I, and I understand that you you know asking the bigger picture question about discouragement and mindset and stuff. That's that's great. That's a good question to ask. But what? Ha- why is my score dropping? You know, why am I missing eleven on reading comp? That's not the best question to be asking. The best question to be asking is why did I miss this one LSAT question right here? What, what, how come this is the answer and how come this is not the answer and how come I'm picking the wrong answer here? I'm not understanding, you know, why is this answer wrong? Why, what words, what, what sentence in the reading comp passage supports this answer and what sentence either disproves or just maybe there are no sentences that support the answer that you chose. And why did you think that was the correct answer? You need to dig into the weeds. And if you ever feel like the test is subjective, it's almost certainly the case that you are missing something Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And once you see that, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a better answer. Like thought experiment. If someone let's say there was a student who, if you and I grilled them about one test. Yeah. And if they were able to explain to our satisfaction, all 100 questions on one test, Mm -hmm. don't you feel like the minimum they could possibly score on a, on an LSAT would be like 170? If they, yeah, if they truly understood them. Absolutely. If they, that's what I'm saying. If they were able to like, you know, sort of like think about like, you know, how they do school in um, places that have better education, like how they do uh, oral exams, like level A's and stuff Yeah. In, in the UK. Yeah. If, if we like called them out on the carpet and we were like, okay, you know, this is going to be your exam. It'll probably take us three days. And Ben and I are going to just like interrogate you about all 100 of these questions. Yeah. If someone could stand up to that, that interrogation and actually convince us that they understood each of those 100 questions, that student, like, I don't see them ever <laughs> scoring less than 170 on a time test. I, I agree hundred percent. I, it's interesting because people just don't realize that they don't understand. Last night at 11 PM, I was talking to someone who works with me. He had scored a 178 and he said, Oh, by the way, this is the question I got wrong on my test. I said, oh, what'd you choose? And he said, oh, I chose C. And he's like, I can see now that it's it's not as good of an answer. And <laughs> a lot of times I'm just like, you know, there's a lot going on. It was 11 o'clock at night. I'm getting ready to go home. But I just couldn't resist it. I was like, oh, yeah, what makes it better? And he's like, well, and then he started talking. And he's like, good question. <laughs> and this guy, you know, he's, he's very smart. He got a 178. He, he, and we talked through the reasons and I didn't let him off the hook. He kind of, you know, would say, throw things out and I'd be like, Hmm, okay. So you think it's this like clarifying what I thought he was saying. And finally, you know, he came to his reasoning and then he was sort of like, wait a sec, but that's, that's assuming this thing. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. But you, I mean, you know, as well as I do that, a lot of these answer choices are making assumptions. The question is, which assumption is more reasonable? Not, is it making an assumption? He's like, yeah, yeah, fair point. So, I mean, he learned and figures this out very quickly, but the reality was he was just telling me 10 minutes earlier, I can see why it's better. No, you can't. You just said that it is better. You didn't say why it's better. 
and you had to work through it to figure it out. And he's scoring 178. So if you can do that, if if you can actually give a concrete explanation for why the most tempting wrong answer was wrong, or at least the answer that you chose, and the correct answer is correct, bam, that's that is 95% of the test, since 95% of the test will appear on the next exam. Yeah, I, I like this idea about the DNA of the uh, you know, the DNA of the test is in every single test. Yeah. And so if you really just really did understand all of the questions on one of the tests, mm-hmm. I think you've basically got it. Like my first book, Cheating the LSAT, I went all the way through prep test 61, every single question on prep test 61. Mm-hmm. And I think that that book, if you actually took it to heart, if you, if you didn't just read it and go, yeah, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. If you actually like challenge yourself to make sure that you think that you really do understand it. If you do that, you can learn vast amounts from, from just one test. So Judy, you know, it's, it's like, she's just pulling the lever on the slot machine to try to see what scores are coming out because the three sections a day, 30 hours a week. I mean, that's, I, I, I envy her work ethic, but I just don't think that that she's not being clear that she's not being efficient with her, her time. Yeah. I think she'd make more progress with 15 hours a week and like one section a day and review more deeply. Yeah. I I do want to take a look at this last question. I know it's kind of related to what we already talked about, but she says, uh, do you have any tips on how to overcome discouragement and keeping a positive mindset? It upsets me when I get even a few wrong a section and I know that's counterproductive. So then I get upset that I'm upset (laughs) and it's just a never ending cycle. So part of me wants to say that what we've talked about before, and that is this idea of, you know, not making such a big deal out of, of the test and getting it in your head that maybe the best thing that's ever happened to you is to fail on this test. But that's, that's coming from me as a untrained psychologist. And when I kind of, I have no psychological training, by the way, I don't mean to suggest that I'm a psychologist even, but from what I do slightly know about psychology, I think that this sounds like a lot of this could be sort of part of who you are. So from what I do understand, a lot of like characteristics sort of feeling discouraged and even feeling discouraged about being discouraged, a lot of that is is out of our control. I don't want to say that it's n- not controllable or totally outside of our control. But I think a lot of it is just the, the, the sort of the personality that we've been born with to some extent. And so the point here is that I think it would be helpful to take like a personality test and then figure out what suggestions psychologists have for overcoming your personality type. A lot of times it's not about like just getting tougher and saying, okay, well, I'm going to do this. It's like, oh, get to know yourself a little bit and then say, oh, here's some strategies or here's some thought processes that work for someone with my personality. Anyways, this is just kind of a random, vague suggestion, but I think that that might end up hitting the nail on the head more accurately once you know a little bit more about yourself and what techniques other people have found work in the past. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I guess maybe I would add... 
she's saying it upsets her when she gets even a few wrong a section for, you know, one thing, I guess being upset is not good, but expecting yourself to get them right is good. And so if you're upset, why don't you use that energy to dig more deeply into those mistakes? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like that's clearly what you're not doing is you're not, you're just you're like, I think you're getting upset and then you're going, Oh, I'm going to try again. Yeah. But instead you should be saying, Oh man, why did I miss this one? Let's look at this question right here and make sure that I really understand because eventually it should click and you should go like, Oh, Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. If you can't get there, then you're just not there and you got to get some help, I guess, to, to, to sort that out. Um, the other thing I would say is that like you, you know, you can miss a couple on a test and get 180. Yeah. I was struggling with a couple reading comprehension questions just this weekend in Vegas in front of the class. Yeah. We all laughed you out of the room. I know I had to retire. <laughs> I'm a fraud. Everyone was very supportive and no, I wasn't even paying attention. I was like, what <laughs> Nathan, what, what's going on? It's just, you know, we're, you, you don't have to be perfect. I mean, you're, it sounds like she's maybe a little bit letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. Yeah. And you, you need to get one more question, right? And the way you do that is by digging more deeply into your mistakes, just one at a time. I don't know. I, I think that's, yeah, no, it. I think that's, I would add that, um, you should probably be more concerned about questions you get right too. Like this makes me think actually that if you get upset when you get a question wrong, my fear is now you're feeling happy or somehow content with questions that you get right. And you really, you really shouldn't be happy or content with a question merely because you got it right or upset when you get it wrong. You should be concerned about questions that you're not sure what the answer is, regardless of whether you happen to pick the right one. Yeah. It makes me think of that. There's a business principle of like, you know, if one customer complains, there's three others that have the same complaint, but they just haven't complained. Yeah. If you miss a question there, there's another question that you got right that you don't really understand. Yeah. So, you know, the few that you're missing per section, I mean, that indicates that there's, there's six questions on the section that you don't understand. Yeah. And so it's not so much a performance thing. It's a, your understanding is lacking and you have to really confront that. You have to really figure out why mm-hmm. should we do this? Uh, yeah, that was Judy. Thank uh, you. Thanks Judy. Judy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pearl versus turd. So far we have one Pearl in the bank. I don't know which one that was or where it is, but we have one, we have 11 turds and four ties. This was advice given to an emailer. If you can't score higher than 155, don't apply. That actually sounds like something we've said. I want to be careful here to not like come off as elitist or whatever. I want to acknowledge that I have I, I know people who are practicing attorneys who never scored higher than 155. Mm. I don't want to give, you know, blanket advice like absolutely don't do it. Yeah. Like I'm not that's not that's not what I'm saying. If this is truly your dream and you know what lawyers do and you, you just can't live with not doing that, then, you know, Hey, I'm not, not going to try to talk you out of that. But for every practicing attorney who scored lower than 155, there are 10 people who crashed and burned in law school or on the bar exam 
and have, you know, accumulated these mountains of debt and misery. (laughs) So if you, and I'm not talking about your first test or your second test or your 10th test for that matter. Yeah. I know people who started in the one forties and it took them a year to get to 155 and another year to get to 165. Yeah. And so it's, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about your today right now. I'm talking about ultimately at the end of the LSAT for you, if you decide that you're not going to take the LSAT again, and if you decide that 155 is your maximum capacity on the LSAT, then I'm very concerned that this is just not going to work out for you. Yeah. Like you're going to be competing against people who just scored 165 right out of the box. Yeah. You're going to be competing with them for grades in law school. You're going to be competing with them on the bar exam. You're going to be competing with them in legal practice. And it just kind of seems like you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Like you, your skills, I'm sure you have talents. I just don't think that your talents necessarily lie in this area. So maybe we can tweak this rule to say something like if you truly cannot score higher than 155 that is you've you've given up and you're not going to get a score higher than 155 because like you said just because that's where you're scoring or you're scoring below that doesn't mean you can't break that then don't apply unless you know exactly what job you're going to get and how you're going to get it because there are those people I think who know their path and they just need the JD. Yep. And I also might change. Don't apply to don't pay for law school. Yes. At a minimum. <laughs> don't because I for think it's school. possible to get a full ride with a 155. Yeah. If you have good enough grades or if you go to a school like Thomas Jefferson, I think they might be happy to give you a full ride with a 155. They'll be like, Oh yeah, you're going to be the one person who has a chance to pass the bar from our school. Yeah. When, you know, 155, like you're a star at Thomas Jefferson with a 155. But if you're like squeaking into the UC Hastings of the world with a 155, if there's 10 of you, I would bet that like two of you are going to have successful legal careers. Yeah. If 155 is truly your highest possible score that you could possibly achieve. And, you know, some people don't like some people don't achieve 155 because they don't have the like verbal skills or the logical skills or the cognitive capacity for whatever reason. Yeah, that's a problem. Other people don't score 155 because they don't have the work ethic to score 155. That's also a problem. Yep. You know, if you if you don't have it in you to study for a year to score higher than 155, then I, I, I just, I'm like, really like, do you really know what lawyers do? Yep. What do you think? A tie? I say a tie. Yep. Oh, right. Are we, are we ready to get to, <laughs> are you scrolling down the agenda? Yeah. This are you looking it. at the picture? I'm looking at How could I not look at this picture? I hope we guy. can use this picture. <laughs> yeah. He's is professional photography here. Okay. Beautiful smile. You, yeah. You should read this email. This is, this is to you. I will. I will. Again, the subject 
The subject of the email, it was notwithstanding rankings. <laughs> and it says, Dear UC Hastings community. Oh, by the way, this is from, uh, let me scroll down to the bottom and read all this. This is from David L. Fegman, Chancellor and Dean, John F. DeGardi, Distinguished Professor of Law, University of California, Hastings College of the Law. Oh, also then below it says, Professor UCSF School of Medicine in Psychiatry. <laughs> okay. I wish I said Esquire. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Anyway. Dear UC Hastings community, so this came out to every Hastings alum, I guess, and probably students too, but came out to me as an alum. I'm surprised they haven't taken me off their list yet. They probably will one of these days. UC Hastings Law is undergoing one of the most dramatic and exciting transformations in higher education today. How do you like that first sentence? (laughs) Telling. It's short. It is short. But most dramatic and exciting transformations in higher education today? Let's, let's tell you and oversell at the same time. Yeah, that's a big conclusion. I can't wait to see the evidence for that. Sure. Most Indeed, dramatic. That means more dramatic than any other transformation in higher education, not just in law. Yeah, one of the most, although oh, one, one of, of the, the most. most. Mm, yeah, yeah, one of the most now doesn't mean anything. It just means in the top. 50%. <laughs> Top six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Indeed, our plans to remake what the modern law school represents and presents is unmatched anywhere in the, nat- in the nation. How do you like that? M dashes around the and presents. Well, so M dashes are an excellent tool for highlighting yes. something. Why in the world are you highlighting this? Represents and drum roll, please. Presents. <laughs> represents and presents like this might is a different well. shade of meaning <laughs> jeez okay our campus will expand exponentially over the next six years both physically and intellectually sorry i'm gonna kill this this email I wish he would have said literally exponentially. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's definitely not going to literally expand exponentially <laughs> physically. I mean, really, like, you're going to God, it keeps growing and it's like growing faster as it grows. it's like a cancer in the middle of San Francisco. <laughs> okay. Both physically and intellectually, Ben. Hmm. All right. We have already greatly expanded the intellectual M-dash, with the newest initiatives of LexLab, the Center for Business Law, and the Center on Tax Law, M-dash, and we are well along on the physical, M-dash, with the new academic building at 333 Golden Gate coming online at the start of 2020, and the remaining properties of 198 and 100 McAllister following in turn. Oh my gosh. That's a terrible sentence. I really hate the with the construction. He loves M dashes too. The double M dash in one sentence. That's four M dashes in one sentence. What the heck? Oh, wait, no, it's three. It's three. Yeah. The what? last one is, just, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> also, I was actually, okay. I just looked up the word intellectual. The only noun that the dictionary has is of it referring to an individual, not referring to this like concept <laughs> of the intellectual. 
like yeah. the intellectual aspect. Strange. Yeah. He might have meant academic there. Anyway, this reconceptualization of our campus is happening now and will grow over time. Oh, that's a new idea. I hadn't uh, thought that this idea had been said. <laughs> that's the first paragraph. Okay. As we embark on this extraordinary path, one whose contours are well and firmly established, we will continue to face headwinds of one sort or another. One of the strongest headwinds that we confront is the U.S. News Annual Rankings of American Law Schools. Damn. The rankings were published today, and the overall number puts us at 62, which is an anomaly for a school that has historically ranked well above this. Does this guy like to dig his own grave? He's like, as I've been here, it keeps dropping. <laughs> I don't think he even knows. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, hey, it's like Trump, you know, like he has risen to the highest office <laughs> with this type of shit. So it's working for him. I don't yeah. know. Rankings that reduce law schools to a single number are at best misleading and at worst destructive. However much I might prefer to ignore U.S. rankings, I cannot. <laughs> But I don't believe in quick, superficial fixes. We are not a corporation looking to maximize the next quarterly report. <laughs> no, you're not. You're a nonprofit institution that pays its professors hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And you're already just getting rich. So all you care about is like just surviving another day. We are not a corporation looking to maximize the next quarterly report. But I am an individual looking to maximize the extent of my reach and influence. Yeah, I want to maintain my hold on, <laughs> even though our ranking continues. And it's like, it's also not an anomaly. I mean, it's been just falling. It's been just, I think it's fallen even in the last decade. I think it's fallen from like in the thirties down all the way down to 62. So wait, have you been bashing this school for the last decade? I find a correlation there. There is a correlation. Yeah. But I mean, so it's definitely a not. Correlation. Yeah, no, it's well, there's a correlation and there is a causation. It's just that the causation is the other way around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been bashing it because it's shitty, yep. not it's shitty because I've been bashing it. I am confident that recent and substantial investments in our campus, academic programs and students, M-Dash, fueled by new partnerships, fundraising successes and faculty scholarship, M dash will have a positive impact on us news rank and will catapult UC Hastings back into the ranks of the top echelon of American law schools, the ranks of the top echelon. Oh my gosh. What? This guy is wordy. He's, he's like a poet. He is paragraph. We are already a great law school. And as we continue development of UC Hastings Academic Village, and there's a video link, we will be recognized as one of the preeminent law schools in the nation. Even U.S. News' own statistics point to our current strengths in a variety of substantive areas of the law. We are ranked in the top 20 in three areas, dispute resolution, 10, healthcare law, 11, and clinical training, 15, and in the top 31 in trial advocacy, 21, tax law, 25, environmental law, 30, and international law, 31. <laughs> I've always kind of told people that they should focus on the top 31 schools. The top 31. It's like, 
why wouldn't he just list all those out? Why would he, why did he do the subset of top 20 in three areas and then top 31 in four more areas? It's oh like very clearly there's nothing else in the thirties, right? Like why? that's it. That's the, yeah. Why even say more? Just say the three. If you're going to say anything. Yeah. Oh. Moreover, and importantly, in U.S. News survey of practicing lawyers and judges, we were ranked 29th. Okay. <laughs> Which, like, by the way, that's like old folks, right? Like, yeah. practicing lawyers and judges, it's like, yeah, they used to think that Hastings was good. It used to be good. The, the fact that it's 29th, it's like, that's what it used to be ranked. Yeah. Like, if you ask someone who went to law school 30 years ago, what's Hastings ranked? They'll be like, oh, yeah, like around 30. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty it's good. Like, okay. I liked them. <laughs> Employers in firms and on the bench recognize a simple fact. UC Hastings produces outstanding attorneys. These lawyers are trained by our excellent teaching faculty, provided practical training in our clinics and wide-ranging externship program, given unique opportunities in health, employment, dispute resolution, and immigration in our nationally ranked centers, and are recognized as outstanding advocates through our award-winning moot court and trial teams. Oh my gosh, that was a long sentence. I know, I'm out of breath. Illustrative of how our graduates are valued by practicing lawyers is another ranking. M-dash, there are many beyond U.S. news highly vacillating ordering, M-dash, that of go-to law schools, which also was just published this week. In that ranking, we were 19th in the number of associates promoted to partnership and ranked 33rd of schools that sent the highest percentage of 2018 graduates to associate jobs at the largest 100 firms. You know, first of all, 19th in the number of associates promoted to partnership. Hastings is a huge school. Like when I was there, it was 501 L's. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's not quite Harvard law school size, but it's a giant law school. Yeah. So the fact that you're 19th in the number of associates is like, well, that's because you have so many students. Yeah. And, you know, 33rd of the schools that sent the highest percentage of 2018 graduates to associate jobs at the top 100 firms. uh, Okay. At least that's a percentage stat. But then again, 33rd, 33rd. If you're trying to make it into the top 100 firms, I don't think you should go to a school ranked 33rd for sending people into the top 100 firms. You know, the interesting thing about all these high numbers is if they did so well in all these other things, then they must have done really poorly in some of the stuff he's not talking about because somehow they ended up at 62nd. Well, I mean, you know what one thing they're not talking about? Mm. Oh, like bar passage rates? California bar passage rate? Yeah. Oh, because no, there was an upward trend that went downward. <laughs> <laughs> they bucked the trend by falling. They fell slower. <laughs> <laughs> we fell slower than we have been falling. Yeah. He continues, although, quote, big law is certainly not alone the measure of success, these numbers provide information beyond the crabbed grading system of U.S. news crabbed wow how do people how do people get, get these kind of positions sorry I, I, our commitment to training excellent attorney they just keep talking ben that's how they do it they just <laughs> never shut up our commitment to training excellent attorneys will continue unabated as we build on our existing strengths 
Rankings are inherently backward looking, semicolon. Our focus is decidedly on the here and now and tomorrow. Yeah, you, you know, and it's like if the rankings had gone up, he would be all about it. They finally figured out how to do it right. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that's like, that's like, uh, yeah, this is exactly like Trump and polls, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, this poll backs me up. This is an online poll. It shows that everybody likes me. Oh, these polls. Yeah, these these don't work. Yep. But our intentions are rather more ambitious than merely improved rankings. With our many partnerships with top flight universities, the collaborations available with the business and tech sector of the greater Bay Area, and our historical commitment to public interest and public service, UC Hastings is poised to recapture the attention of the nation's legal community. Just purely telling. Although the pieces are in place for UC Hastings to return to its historically high rank, we still have much to do. I ask our entire community to join me in this effort. The current rank is but a difficulty, and in all difficulties lie opportunity. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't As believe. Winston Churchill observed, <laughs> oh a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. I am an optimist through and through. Sorry, I couldn't contain myself as I saw that he was about to quote Winston Churchill. Yeah. This is like the epitome of a bad personal statement. Yep. We have embarked on a great adventure for UC Hastings, one with great hope and promise. Let us together dare mighty things. Sincerely, David Feigman. P.S. I welcome your feedback. Invite your working with the school to improve employment and bar outcomes for our students and to, with a link, contribute financial support to help Hastings recapture the attention of the nation's legal community. This is so bad on so many levels. Five or six years ago, I emailed him twice in response to a very similar email that was about when Hastings rank fell from like the, you know, it fell from like the, in the thirties, 39 to 45 or whatever. And wait, he was wait, sending wait. a he very similar email back then. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, I think at that time he was like acting like acting Dean, sure. but he, he sent an email. This was, yeah, five or six years ago. And I took him at his word and responded and I gave him an idea, which was, Hey, I'm a Hastings alum you know, maybe you could work with me somehow to like bring pre-law students to school. I think that would help to raise the prestige of the school. Yeah. I, I can bring you, you know, hundreds of students per year. Uh, he never responded. Yeah. And so then I sent him a follow-up like a month later and he also never responded. Hmm. But you know, he does welcome your feedback and want, and wants to work with you. Well, I thought, I thought this was interesting. Invite you. You're working with the school to improve employment and bar outcomes for our students. Whoa. Isn't that your job? Like, is he honestly just like reaching out to the community, asking them to come? Hey, we're going to help with this makes me feel like his school is in dire straits. And he's like, please, we need outside help, which is true. It's just weird. It's like a patent admitting of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing that he really wants is money. Yeah. That's why give give money to the school so that we can keep building new buildings and, and, you know, keep, keep, we're just going to keep growing when what we should be doing is cutting our class size in half and raising our admission standards. The one thing that is certain to 
raise the prestige of your school is to just shrink it down. (laughs) All you have to do is just stop admitting people who are going to fail the California bar. Yep. But if you do that, then you don't get their tuition dollars. And, you know, we have to like soak the student loan system for as much as we possibly can soak it for. It's really just, it's distasteful. But anyway, it's also comedy. So it is pure comedy. It's also really bad. I just, on all levels, this email fails. Content, style, selling, telling, quoting other people, grammar. It's just bloviating rather than, (laughs) rather than like, I mean, he just doesn't have good facts to work with. So he's just, you know, that's his response. It's like he knew the rankings were going to be lower. So he's been drafting this email. I'm sure he's got this email chambered and ready to go at all times (laughs) for the the latest bomb to drop. Right. It's like, whoop. U.S. news rankings, we know that's going down. Oop, California bar, we know that's going to be a problem. Okay, well, I'll just have these emails ready to go. It's so long that you you get lost in the... It hides the fact that the rankings have dropped. That's the whole point, right? Yep. <laughs> it's like you just make another speech, have another rally, just you, you make tweet again some bullshit. Yeah. And just like you just sort of get everybody lost in all of the bullshit and like not focusing on the things that are, that really matter. Yep. All right. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. I feel like we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, do it. If you have not joined us on Facebook, we have lots of members there. That's just the thinking else at podcast group on Facebook you can also follow us on Instagram at thinking LSAT. On Twitter, it's at thinking LSAT as well. Nathan is at and Fox. I'm at Olson Benjamin. We both teach classes on the coasts. I'm at strategyprep.com in DC. Nathan is at foxlsat.com in LA and San Francisco. We both have online options as well, including one on one tutoring. Of course, you can check out our joint project, which is the LSAT Demon. Just go to lsatdemon.com. And that was show 185. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.